Good morning. Trying a new mic out today, so I hope it works well. We're also filming this today. This is, uh, as I mentioned earlier, is a membership class. We had it preempted Wednesday night by our youth, and they wanted to share what God did with them and through them at Camp Eagle. So this morning, uh, you see Basil's in the back. He's, uh, he's got so many talents that now we've got him on, uh, perched up there high above everybody else. Everybody turn around and say hello to Basil. Can I have some overhead lights up here so I actually can see my notes and those will not blind me. <laughs> okay. Is that light good, Basil? Okay, so we're going to go in five, four. I saw that on TV one time. We're, we're uh, very happy to have a lot of guests with us this morning. And we hope that you're welcome, feel welcome, know that the presence of the Lord is here. And I believe it's very important for all of us to be on the same page. I believe that the, the enemy uses uh, discord, disunity, whatever you want to call it, to bring confusion and division in the body. Not just in this body, but in the body of Christ throughout the world. And the more the body of Christ can be together... Even in the local body, the more we can be of one body, one mind, one purpose, one vision, I believe the less chance the enemy has to break havoc and bring his destruction into the local body. Would you all agree with me? So we need, to be on one, we need to be on the same page, so to speak. I'd like to begin by sharing with you, uh, and these things, many of these things are on our website. So if you're one of those website people that you'd like to go and find out what we believe, you can go there, but there are going to be some added things here today. Uh, nothing concerning snakes, so I just want you to know that. <laughs> we have set out to uh, do a few things here. God's called us to do some things, all of us. And we have put it in a written form, and we call it our vision, purpose, and priority. And it will hopefully be on the screen as I share these things. But I also want to, to let you know this is a class, so you need to take notes. You're going to be taking lots of notes today because we're not going to sit and camp on one thing. So I'm going to just give you a heads up on that. All right? Pen and paper. Use a worship guide. You might need more than that. So I hope you came prepared with your iPad or your iPhone, whatever. Freedom Fellowship's vision is to see people saved, number one. Saved, restored, set free, healed, equipped, and empowered for the works of ministry for God and His kingdom. Freedom Fellowship's purpose is to let our light shine so brightly before others that it brings glory to God. And our priority is to love God and love people. That's the basic two things God asks for us to do. Love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves, so that each person can experience an intimate relationship with the God of grace. That's the three things that we lay before every person that says, I want to be a part of this fellowship. Many of you have, are new members. How many of you are fairly new members within the last few months? Okay. Uh, some of you have been here for... How many of you have been here longer than five years? Oh, not many. How many of you have been here ten years? All eight of us? <laughs> I want to give, I want to give you a, a picture in, in video form of where we started and what God has done in our life through this. This was our 10th anniversary video that Brandon Whitford did. 
and it will bless you, but it will also tell you very quickly what it will take me a long time to say. Okay, so we're going to roll that video. pastor of Freedom Fellowship, and today we're so excited to have everyone here to be a part of our 10th anniversary, our celebration of 10 years of being in ministry, uh, from when we started in a, in a home on 42 South Ridge to where we are today at 342 South Chadburn, and it's just been a great journey. A lot of people have been involved in it, but most of all, it's been a, it's been a work of the Lord. He has blessed our work. He has blessed our hands. He has blessed us in so many ways that we are going to try to express just a little of that today in this video, this journey that we've been on. So I hope that you enjoy what you're about to witness because many of you here today have been a part of it, and we thank God for you. behind Tony's Tailor Shop. He's on Tuick Street. And this is kind of part of the beginning of our journey of how we ended up where we are today. But I never come to this place. I never had come there before to get my pants uh, altered, hemmed, or whatever it was. So we come here one day, and, and I left some pants with him, and he, he just started talking to us. He's been here all of his life. And so he was started telling us about this lady that was sleeping out behind this building. And we kind of looked at him and thinking, what do you mean? He said, well, there are, there are prostitutes downtown. And that kind of shocked us. You know, we live in our own little safe world. And so he began to tell us about just the situation of downtown and how really bad it was. And so I told Mary, let's say, let's, we got, after we got through there, we said, let's just drive around to the alley. So we came around and parked back here and walked up and there was a couch right here on the, on the side. And it was kind of threadbare, just somebody, you know, just dumped it out here. And I get emotional every time I think about this story, but... Um, you want me to take it out? Yeah, you tell the rest of it. Go ahead. Well, when we came back, guys, we lived in San Angelo, Texas all our lives, and we really never knew that people in San Angelo lived in that kind of circumstance. And just really, he just got us. And we just began to weep, both of us, just right where we were. We're like, Lord, could you use us to help in this situation? And then he did. You know, I was, uh, from then, from that, I'm, I'm sure it's from that day on, 
we felt like we were supposed to be downtown. And when we were talking about looking for a building, all of our friends and people from other churches that we knew, they said, well, why are y'all looking downtown? That's, that's kind of the forgotten part of town. That's not where the town's growing. That's not where it's developing. And all I could tell him was, is that's where God called us to be downtown. And for him to really solidify that with a building that basically God gave to us, that we're in debt free, uh, and we ministered to the homeless, we, we ministered to drug addicts and alcoholics, and God from here even led me into being uh, working in the jail ministry. All of that just culminated in what we call Freedom Fellowship. Because that's our heart. Our heart is to see people truly saved and healed and set free. That's our heart. So we just invite you to come and follow us on this journey that covers the last 10 years of our life in the life of Freedom Fellowship. started uh, meeting in our house on this kind of unusual it's 42 Southridge and now we're at 342 South Chadburn. Something with the 42s I guess. But when we started meeting at our home we just had different people would come and pray and we'd seek the Lord and just try to find out what he had in store for us. And I tell people all the time we never had this grand idea of starting a church but all we really wanted to do was find out what God had for us. One thing I do that stands out and one of Harold's main purposes was he didn't want to take anybody from the church. He said there's so many people in this town that don't have a church home that that's who we're going after. I think it was about 2000, the fall of 2001, somewhere around there, uh, that Harold had mentioned that they were going to start a Bible study, just kind of fellowship, just to get over at their house. One thing led to another. We started writing songs over there just in Harold's little uh, music room. He had a little piano, and I can remember at times it would be Harold and I and Mike Petty, sometimes Kim Snell, just messing around with songs, just singing, just praising the God. And I just got hungry for God. I was like, man, God, there's got to be some more. And and then, uh, you know, we would meet and gather, and, uh, and uh, the group that was meeting was talking about, well, is this leading into church? What is this, you know? And uh, we just were faithful, seeing God move, seeing Him re uh, reveal Himself in new ways. And, and we just wanted people to experience the joy and the love of the Lord that we were experiencing. And we knew that people were broken and in need and from all different walks of life. And uh, we wanted to experience God in the fullness. Freedom has uh, been a journey. Uh, we were just going to church. Everything was trucking along just fine. And uh, we all started seeking more. Uh, we started meeting in my parents' house, just praying and worshiping. and. Just took off from there. Well, we also were uh, pregnant with Preston. Most of y'all don't know that Preston's now going to be 10 years old in a couple months. And um, we just felt that the Lord was Sorry. birthing new things in the natural, also in the, in the supernatural with uh, Mary Lou and Harold. We felt the need to minister to people that a lot of people weren't ministering to, so we had our first service at the city auditorium. And it was kind of cool because we put an ad in the paper uh, if you don't have a church home, if you don't like to go to church, it didn't matter. If you didn't have the right clothes, you could come as you were. And 
So we put this ad in the paper and we went door to door to the halfway houses, passed out flyers, uh, invited people to come. Started there and started, meet, started meeting at the Christmas in Action building. And that was pretty interesting. Uh, <laughs> we had birds chirping all during the service. Live birds. Live birds chirping and, and uh, fish singing on the walls. And it was really big mouth. And the turkey. It was always something, distractions all the time. And that's why Harold's so good preaching now with people getting up and all these distractions. He, he, he started preaching. Like that, so. Live doves cooing during the sermons. Kids pressing pressing the Billy Bass buttons. <laughs> fish. Stuffed animals, animals random stuffed animals everywhere. It was it was very humbling. We came from a big nice church to wherever we could meet. We were always uh, the thing about it was we were always so grateful. Whenever we, when somebody would open their doors for us to meet, and that was that was pretty cool. I mean, it was just like thanks, you know. And so we just started this journey of meeting and ministering and expecting God to do something. And it was always, we were always dependent on Him. We were always wanting to be led by the Holy Spirit. We wanted to do the real actual deal of church like Jesus talked about in the Bible. Uh, then we went from Christians in Action to, uh, we grew a little bit and found another place called the Woodman of the World Building. And that's a whole nother story in itself. Woodsman of the world was horrible. The craziest. And it was it was a great size, like you'd smell sewage on Sunday mornings. It was just the stinkiest, nastiest place. Yeah, you know, we thought there was a spiritual battle going on there or something. <laughs> it was nasty. From there, after they kicked us out, uh, First Baptist uh, offered to let us use their buildings, and then Christians, uh, the Christian Church of San Angelo, offered to let us use theirs on Sunday night. So we would meet in all these different places. Uh, and then, especially when we were at Christian Church of San Angelo, they, they used their church on Sunday morning. So when Easter Sunday, or what we call Resurrection Celebration, when it came along, we had to find an alternative place to meet if we were going to do it in the morning. So we had to become uh, very creative in that. I remember one time specifically, uh, it always makes me laugh thinking back, Harold and Mary Lou were out of town, and he brought in a guest speaker. And... Um, Mark and I and Jeff were the only three that showed up for church. <laughs> so it was definitely a, um, a humbling experience, but you know, it really reminded us of the scripture to do not despise small beginnings because we definitely had some small beginnings in there. Christian Church of San Angelo, when they opened up their doors to us, that was like, La. yeah, am amazing. <laughs> awesome. uh, we met at nights, you know, nobody cared. Uh, we would try to pay them rent or, or something, and they wouldn't accept it. And they just blessed us. And that, you know, because of that, we were able to start putting back money and saving for the building we're in now. And we were always looking for a building downtown because we knew that's where God had called us. And... One, one day, Denise Williams, she called me. She said, Pastor, I found the building. I said, okay, because she had looked and looked also. And so she called me, and we, I met her over here with a realtor, and we walked into this, this place called the Verizon Building, which I had, uh, had great memories of being at Neff's Amusement Park when I was a little boy, not realizing that someday I, that we would be in this building. 
Uh, but she called me. We went through the building, and I remember looking at it, going, "Wow, this would be, this would be a dream come true." I can't imagine us being in this place. I could just see all the possibilities. But then when I heard the price tag, it kind of it took me back because we didn't have that kind of money. We were um, really, really standing for this building that we're in today, and we all knew this was supposed to be the building we were supposed to have, but we were really negotiating with Verizon and we had done pretty much everything we knew how to do in our flesh to get this building. And I know Mark very strongly thought we were not to go into this building unless we can go debt free and for what they were asking for, there's just no way. And I remember Ron Campbell coming to us and ministering one weekend and he said, guys, you gotta step away from this building and just let it go. And you know, it felt like someone just drop kicked us. I mean, it just made us sick because we knew that this was the building, you know. But we were obedient and we dropped it. And how, how much later? At least a year later. About a year later, they came back and just gave them, I mean, we basically, they gave us the building nearly. That's what's been my favorite thing about Freedom. Uh, that when I'm trying to sell my church to somebody, it's that it's red and yellow, black and white, rich and poor. Uh, doesn't matter if you come in smelling like alcohol or if you know the right clothes. But we just have people that reach out and love people and, you know, give them food and clothes. And that's just, uh, it's very special to me. incredible journey. I hope they caught you up or maybe reminded a bunch of you. Uh, Mary Lou and I were talking the other day. She, had, it, she likes to listen to teaching tapes or CDs or whatever. And she had, uh, somebody had, I think it was Jessica, had given her some new teaching tapes. And so she was listening to them. And I'm always, give me the, give it to me in the capsule form. What, what did you learn? She said, you know, it was really nothing new. But it just reminded me of some of the awesome things that God has already taught us. And, and, you know, I think Ron, when he was, Ron Campbell was here a few weeks ago, he said, we've had enough sermons. All, many of you have, have heard literally thousands of sermons in your life. And it's what we do with what God's given us uh, that makes the difference. 
And many of you, you know the word backwards and forwards. This, this message today, which is so different than anything I've ever preached, you know it. But the, the idea behind it is, are we doing what God's called us to do? Are we loving people? Are we serving people? Are we seeing people healed and set free and delivered? Because that's the mandate for the body of Christ, not just here, but throughout the world. I would like you, you today, you're, I'm going to ask you to get your Bibles out and, and take notes. The scriptures are not going to be on the screen, just the scripture references, so I want you to look those up. And I would like to, I'd like to offer this to you tonight. Uh, this is not even, hasn't been planned, but Wednesday night, what I would like to do is if you have any questions about what we believe, anything about what, we're, what we'll teach this morning, that you will write those questions down and we will have a forum Wednesday night in the fellowship hall. You can ask me any questions or anybody else that's there. We'll, we'll share together. Maybe you don't understand some things we believe and we're not going to go into detail about, but you would come Wednesday night and say, I, I, I like a little more understanding in that area. But I would ask you, I would challenge you this first to look those things up, look at the scriptures. The big challenge for me in, the, in, this, in this lesson today is finding the, a few scriptures when there are literally hundreds that apply to these subjects or these topics. So you might know other scriptures. You, well, I know I've, we believe that, and that scripture really speaks to me, and that's okay. Okay, I just had to, had to choose a few. But in John 16, Jesus was about to go to the cross. And throughout those last few chapters of John, or the, the previous chapters, he was talking with his disciples. He, he had the Lord's Supper with them. He washed their feet. He did all these things. And then he, he gathered them around him, and he wanted to teach them these things, these very valuable lessons, because he said, I'm about to leave. And it's in John 16 uh, that he talks about, I'm going to leave, but I, want you, I don't want you to be afraid, and I want your joy to be complete. You know, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And, and listen, if the world doesn't see joy in us, why would they dare want what we have? If they don't see us operating in this thing called love, why would they say, I want to be a part, I want to believe in your Jesus? But if, if, if our life is, 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 the picture of our life is just, oh, woe is me, my life is terrible, but yeah, Jesus is Lord of my life. Listen, people are going to say, well, what kind of Lord is he? Because he, he wants us to be joyful. He wants us to walk in this thing called love. And in verse 26, he said, In that day you will ask in my name. And I do not say that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you. I want you to know this morning, the Father himself loves you. That's pretty dynamic. Because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. Do you believe that Jesus came forth from God? It's important that you know this this morning, these basic things. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and I go to the Father. His disciples said to him, See, now you are plainly speaking and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe, say we believe, that you came forth from God. We've got to believe that Jesus came forth from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? He's almost asking him a rhetorical question. Do you really believe now? Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you will be scattered each to his own and you will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. 
These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Jesus desires that his children live in peace. Say peace. In the world, in this world, he says to these disciples, in this world, he says to you this morning, you will have tribulation. You will have trials. Anybody here have tribulations and trials? Raise your hand. Okay. We're all together on that. We're in one accord. (laughs) He said, you're going to have those. These things I have spoken to you that you may have peace, but in this world you'll have tribulation. But he says this, be of good cheer. Laugh, smile, be happy. I have overcome the world. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Now, we live in a world that is very confused. We live in a world that's really getting big. Anybody know anybody that's born on March 12th, 2012? This year, March 12th. Anybody know a birthday on that day? It is estimated by the United States Census Bureau that on that day, the 7 billionth person was born. So if you know somebody, there are probably some prizes waiting for them. Some bells are going to go off, you know. Seven billion people live in this world, and now, of course, that is multiplied. You know how many a billion is? A bi- I had to look it up because, you know, I, I think in, we, we say billions and trillions now like they're nothing, but a billion is this. It's 1,000 million. 1,000 million. So there are seven billion people that living and breathing on this earth. In this, on this earth, on this globe, there are 21 major religions. 21. I just thought there were like five or six, you know? About 1 billion people. Listen, 1 billion people don't profess to believe in anything. A billion, a thousand million don't believe in anything. There are an estimated 2.3 billion Christians in the world. We're talking Protestants and Catholics. There are an estimated 2.3 billion Christians in the world. And guess what? Out of those 2.3 billion, there are, get this, 38,000 different denominations. You wonder why we're not walking in unity? You wonder why the world's in chaos? You wonder why things are going the way they are? So listen, we need to come together at least with this 300, 400 people and agree on some things. Most of Christianity agrees on basic principles in the Word of God, but yet they tail off and they divide after those few things and they become divisive, they separate, they separate families, they they separate denominations, they split, they do all this. And yet God has called us, like I read at the beginning of the service in John 17, he said, I want you to be one as I and my Father are one. My mandate this morning as pastor is to bring this body into one. That's my mandate. That we might think alike, we might act alike, and we might go for the same things, that we might be on the same page. For that to happen, number one, we have to believe in this. Get your Bibles out, your swords. You have to believe this. If you don't believe that this is the inerrant word of God, then you're just, we have no basis to to begin. So you have to come to the realization that this is the word of God. This is God. This is Jesus. This is the Holy Spirit. This is where we get all of our teachings. 
Without this, you, wouldn't have no, you would have no direction in your life. So this is the first thing we believe. We believe in the verbal inspiration of the Scriptures and the authority of both the Old and New Testaments. That's what we believe. If you'll read Psalm 119 sometime, it's only 176 verses. I remember, you remember Kevin Kirkland here last week? One Sunday, he preached at Glen Meadows Baptist Church. He got out his Bible and read Psalm 119. That was his sermon. Now, I'm sure a lot of people were very disappointed because he didn't have three-point sermon. I was blown away by it. We read the Word of God straight through 176. He didn't hardly take a breath. But did you know, if you'll look it up, 176 verses, the law, His commandments, every, every verse it mentions God's Word. 176 times. God is serious about His Word. This is life for us. This is direction for us. Also in 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, it talks about the Scripture as their inspiration from God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness that the man of... Listen, he gave us this, that the man of God may be what? Complete. He wants us to be complete. Say, I want to be complete. Thoroughly, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So this word is valuable. Some of you have 10 of these in your home. You have every translation. You've got it on your iPod and your iPad and, and whatever eye else you've got. You've got it. Man, the Bible's written in our hearts. It was written in the hearts of men on tablets of stone by God Himself. It was written on the skin of animals, on parchment paper. And it's in thousands, literally thousands of languages. This book will lead your life, direct your life. It will affect the decisions that you make while you live here, and it will affect your eternal decisions. It will affect your eternal destiny. We need to believe that this is the Word of God. Amen? Second thing, we believe in the Trinity. And you can write these things down as they put them up there as far as the Scriptures go. We believe in the Trinity. This is not in our statement of faith, but it will be added. Somebody asked me, so what if we don't have anything in our statement of faith about, about the Trinity? But we believe in the Trinity. We believe in a triune God. That means three in one. It is the testimony of both the Old and New Testaments of the Christian church that God is both one and triune. The biblical revelation testifies there is only one God and that He is eternally existent in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Say that with me. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's three in one. If you want to try to figure that out, be my guest. If you want to use water and vapor and, and ice, that's great. If you want to use a, a, me as a, a, my dad, I'm a husband, and I'm an uncle, you can use all those, but they will never translate into this mystery of the triune God because His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And if you try to get there like Satan did, you'll, you'll, you'll find yourself in trouble. The enemy will use all these things that, oh, if I can figure this out. No, you'll not. You, by faith, you've got to believe that. By faith, you've got to believe that. Because there are people that will tell you, no, there's not three in one. It, it's not possible. But I would like to show you in the Old Testament, in Genesis 1, 26, God said, let us make man in our own image. He said, us. It's a capital U. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They were from the beginning and they're eternal. Amen? In the New Testament, there's a very interesting verse, Matthew 3, 16 and 17, that speaks of the, the three in one in two verses. 
And I think it's very important that we read that this morning. When he had been baptized, that was Jesus, he came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in action together. Two verses. We believe in God the Father. He's the creator and the sustainer of all things. He created the universe in love. He created man in his own image for fellowship. And he called man back to himself through Christ after, after the rebellion and the fall of man. You can see these things in Colossians 1, 16 and 1 Corinthians 8, 5 through 6. Write those down. Look them up. God the Father. God the Son is Jesus Christ, and He is eternally God. He was together with the Father and the Holy Spirit from the very beginning. And through Him all things were made. Say, all things. All things were made through Him. Did you know Jesus was the creative force? Scriptures will back that up, that Jesus was the creative force in the world. He took nothing and made it something. Can your mind comprehend that? Because mine sure can't. And if I'm going to make something, I've got to have some stuff to make it with. Mary Lou's making food. I mean, she's doing some uh, lunch, and man, she's making rolls. But she had to have some flour and some milk and whatever else she do to make rolls. But she had to have that before she could make them. You don't make a cake out of nothing. Oh, I think I like a cake. Poof, there's a cake. He had to take nothing and make something, and it's beautiful. And scientists can't explain it. They'll try. They'll try, and they'll put it in our books at schools. But listen, this is how he made the earth. This is how he made the galaxies. This is how he made the stars. He spoke them into existence. God, the Son, Jesus Christ is eternally God. Luke 1, 26 through 27, and then verse 35. It, when, when, when the Holy Spirit came and inhabited and impregnated Mary with Jesus, she said, he will be called, the angel said, he will be called the Son of God, not a Son of God. The Son of God, the Son of the Most High God. We believe man was created in the image of God. Genesis 1.27, look it up. He created man in his own image, male and female. He created them in his own image. Man, through disobedience, sinned and fell. Who, who was the beginning of that? There were two people in the garden, Adam and Eve. Some people want to blame Eve. Some people want to blame Adam. They did it together, Okay? They took of something God said not to do, and they did it. And they sinned that day, which means missed the mark, and they fell, and the entire human race shares in man's lost and depraved nature. Some people say, oh, no, we weren't born in sin. No, we're not. Yes, we are. The Bible says in Romans 23, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody. And it says in Ephesians 2, 3, we were by nature children of wrath. We were born with this thing called the Adamic nature. We all need Jesus. Amen? Atonement for our sin was made by the sacrificial and substitutional death of Jesus Christ. Matthew 1.21 and 2 Corinthians 5.21. Let me read 2 Corinthians 5.21 for you. For he, God the Father, made him, God the Son, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He made him sin, took our sin, made him sin so that we would not have to bear that, that we would have entrance into heaven 
The only way it could be done is through the penalty paid for by the perfect Lamb of God. Some people from the Old Testament, you can find scriptures that talk about the scapegoat. All the sins were put on the scapegoat. Jesus is our scapegoat. Amen? Now, this is very important, especially if you're here today and you're lost, you don't know Jesus. This is all like uh, Greek to you. I want you to know this above any and everything. We believe that salvation is the gift of God by grace alone. It's the gift, say gift of God, by grace alone. And like I said in the baptismal water a while ago, we receive this by a personal faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this faith is then manifested in works that please Him. Just like a child would want to please his parents, these works that we do, which he said he's already prepared beforehand for us to do, are for him to please him. That's what he's called us to do. John 14, 6. Listen, if you have any doubts and you believe this is the word of God, if you have any doubts because other people, famous people, say there are many roads to heaven, many ways to get to heaven, this word, this book, this, the, the word of God said there is only one way. And you know what? I love it that it, I don't like to have a lot of choices before me. I don't do good at buffets. <laughs> Go to China Garden. They got every kind of food in the world, and you're just, I want a little of this. And finally, you get just this conglomeration of the worst thing that you could have on one time, and you put it all on your plate, and you eat it. You have all these choices, and you know how it is? I'm not going to say Tim, but you know how it is when you, when you look at all these things and go, man, I really like that, but I really like that too. So you don't want to get too much of that because you want to have room for that. Well, God said, let me make it simple for you. There is one way to me, and that's Jesus Christ. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me, through Jesus Christ, through the blood of, of Jesus. No other way. He made it very simple for us. So somebody tells you there's a lot of ways to man... I'm glad my Bible says there's just one way because I can find that way. Amen? For the wages of sin, Romans 6.23, many of you know this, this, this verse. The wages of sin is death. There's a payment for our sin, then it's death. But the gift, say the gift. Wow, is a gift something you have to earn? No, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then if you really want this grace thing to be really poured into you, look at Ephesians chapter 2. Look at if it did read the whole the whole passage this afternoon. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ for grace. By grace, you have been saved. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's grace. Man, you better love grace. That covers you. Because we would never attain perfection. And Jesus knew that. God the Father knew that. And the Holy Spirit knew that. He said there is one way. It's through Jesus and it's by grace. It's by faith that you believe. Amen? Read the rest of that passage. There's so many awesome scriptures that talk about that. The next thing we believe is in the resurrection of the crucified body of Jesus. In his ascension into heaven and his priestly intercession. All that is found in Romans 8, 34. It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Jesus ascended to the Father. He sits at the right hand of the Father, the Bible says, and he prays for us. He intercedes for us. He's our go-between. He's our attorney, whatever you want to call him. He intercedes for you. 
I'll never forget one day Billy Faye was, was talking about, you know, just how, how she was supposed to pray in a, in a certain situation. I think this is before she was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And she said, you know what? When I don't know how to pray, Jesus is praying for me anyway. Think about that. He is interceding for us when we don't even know what to intercede for. In that, does that bring you some comfort this morning? The third part of the, the, this is where I want to camp a little bit today because this is what separates us from a lot of denominations. God, the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity. Say Holy Spirit. Spirit. He was active in the Old Testament. Y'all know that? All through the Old Testament. He came in special dispensations. He came and he left. He came and he left. He never just came and camped. He came and he would pour in and then he would leave, okay? Old Testament, there are a lot of scriptures that, that bear witness to the Holy Spirit. He was active in the Old Testament, but he was given to the church in fullness at Pentecost. It's called the Day of Pentecost over 2,000 years ago. And it's the promise of the Father. Our Comforter is sent to convict the world of sin, which places the believer in the body of Christ. Did you know the Holy Spirit places us in the body? That's what he does. He indwells the believer. When you accept Jesus, when you say yes to Jesus, he comes with a deposit of the Holy Spirit. He, he fills you up. And he comes to reside in you. And he bestows spiritual gifts to the church. John 16, 7 through 13, talks a lot about how Jesus, uh, how the Holy Spirit came and the jobs that he had. Okay? He convicts the world of sin, of judgment. He says, I have a lot of things. Jesus said, I have a lot of things to say to you, but you can't, you can't bear them all right now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit has come, he will guide you. Listen to this. You need to know this this morning. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. All truth. Listen, we call ourselves, uh, sometimes people ask me, what, what is your church? And I say, well, we're a, we're a word and power church. We're not, we, we love the word of God, but we also love the Holy Spirit. We, we allow them to work together. Did you know they do that? The Holy Spirit takes what's in here and makes sense of it to you here. Did you know that? So once... So, how many times have you ever been reading the scripture and you've read that thing about a hundred times and all of a sudden, Devin, it just pops out at you like, whoo, like the light bulb comes on. Wow, I get it now. That's the Holy Spirit saying, this is when you need that right now. And he begins to speak truth to you. Man, I'm telling you, I've read scriptures about the Holy Spirit many times. I never did get it. But one day the light bulb went on. The sirens went off. I mean, all of a sudden I was getting it. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that it's for all believers as an ind- a definite endowment of power for service. Now, this is something I would have stopped short of about 12 years ago. I would have believed all that other stuff except this one. I didn't understand it. I didn't know about it. I hadn't been trained in it. I hadn't been taught in it. I just believed what somebody else had taught me to believe. That's why I tell you, go home, search the scriptures, find out for yourself. Don't take what I say for, for verbatim don't just oh well he said that it must be true search the scriptures it's your responsibility not mine i can teach you but it's your responsibility to get in the word and know what god is speaking to you would y'all say amen to that luke 24 49 says this is jesus after his resurrection he said behold i send the promise of my father upon you the holy spirit is called promise the promise but tarry in the city of jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now the disciples had already been saved. He had breathed on them in John chapter 20, the Holy Spirit. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. But then he said, I want you to go wait 10 days. He said, I want, he, he, 
he, uh, he ascended to the Father, and for 10 days they went to the upper room, 120 or so followers of Christ went into the upper room, and they waited. They didn't even know what they were waiting for, except Jesus said, wait. He said, I'm going to send you the power. Okay? That's in John 24, 49. Then Acts 1, 8. But you shall, this is Jesus again, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Say, upon you. And you shall be witness to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Any of you afraid to witness? Any of you afraid to tell people about Jesus like I was? And when the baptism of the Holy Spirit came, that was the initial evidence for me that I had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I no longer was afraid to tell people about Jesus. I didn't have to have witnessing 101 classes to tell people about how much Jesus loved them. And you will too. It's something incredible. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, He says, you will be. He didn't say you might be. He said, you will be my witnesses. You will be witnesses of me. Not just to San Angelo. Not just to Tom Green County. Not just to Texas. Not just to the United States of America. But to all the world. Do you want to be a witness for Him? Maybe you've stopped short of saying, I want everything God has for me. John 14, 12 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works, say greater works, than these he will do because I go to my Father. In other words, he's saying, I'm leaving, I'm sending the Holy Spirit in my place, and the works are not going to stop. Matter of fact, they're going to get more. They're going to get greater. And somewhere along the line, somebody said, no, they don't. They stopped all that back in, in when the Bible ended. That's a bunch of baloney. That's a great Greek word. You want to look it up. Because my Bible says, I am the Lord thy God, I do not change. It also says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is that in your Bible? Then why would he decide that after uh, the Bible is complete that everything else just stops? And we just go on our merry way and we do church. And we do church very poorly. That's, that was not God's design. That was not his design. He wants to empower you by his spirit. And there are some gifts he wants to give you. First thing he gives us, we believe that there are motivational gifts. You know, motivational gifts. These are prophecy. And these vary. A lot of people have a different list, and that's okay. These are the ones that I, uh, this, the list that I have. The motivational gifts are prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, and mercy. Motivational gifts. Some of those you recognize even before you, you really walked with the Lord very long. You just had that personality to do those things. God gives us motivational gifts. And we're motivated by God to do those certain things. Okay, that's the motivational gifts. He also gives us these things called power gifts. Now, these are the, the, the ones that are, can get weird and wacky if, if you don't really are not grounded in truth. And you're allowing God to pour through you to do what He's called you to do. The power gifts are the words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, healings, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And a lot of people go, wow, those are weird. Don't want anything to do with those. I have seen those work, and they work beautifully. I have seen miracles. How many of you have seen a miracle? And you knew it was from God. Man, we heard of miracles this week of healings of cancer. People that the, the doctor said it's done, it's over with, even chemo won't help them. And we've seen God deliver and, pour and just reach down and grab them and say, I want to heal you because people of faith poured into them. God is still speaking through words of knowledge and words of wisdom. Sometimes we get those, listen guys, and you don't even know you've gotten them. But you had a thought. 
Or I wonder why this person came to my mind now. And I could tell you testimony after testimony, and you could too, of when you've had words of wisdom, words of knowledge. You know, words of wisdom come out. I remember visiting with Brandon after he came back from youth camp. He said, man, these guys were asking me these questions I didn't know the answer to, but they just came pouring out of my mouth. He said, because I was in tune with God and he wanted to speak through me. That's word of wisdom. Word of knowledge, you might be going down the street and God will drop a thought in your head about a certain person that you might need to go and pray for. And you need to be obedient to those things. And listen, when God gives you those words and when he gives you that wisdom, he's asking you to operate in it. Be faithful to operate in those gifts. Healings and miracles and faith. How many of you know people that you've got faith, but you know people that have great faith? You know what I'm talking about? You're the one that's calculating. You're the ones with the pencil and the paper. You're the ones trying to figure out all these ways we can do something. And then somebody with great faith says, listen, y'all can do that all you want. But I'm telling you that God wants to do it this way. And it's not going to be natural. It's going to be supernatural. That is faith, the gift of faith. Man, I pray that we'd all have that. I pray that we'd all have all these gifts. Man, we shouldn't just decide, God, I, I just want this gift or that. We should ask him for everything. I mean, he's God. He can give them to you. Amen? All these are given to us by God through the Holy Spirit. Now, if you want a reference to those, look at 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 and Romans 12. But I want to say, I want to stop right here and say this one thing. Between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, which are many churches, oh, we've got those. It's very controversial. We'll just stay away from them. In the midst of those two chapters, you know what he throws in the middle of those? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And he says, you can do all that and you can do all that, but if you have not love, you miss the boat. Everything that we do, listen, everything that we do should be bathed in the love of Christ, the agape of God, the selfless motivated by God kind of love. That way you don't get arrogant in your gifts. You don't walk in fear of the gifts. You walk in perfect harmony because you're walking in this thing called love. And I know churches today and, and I know people today and I've heard of there's all sorts of stuff going on in the, in, in, in the world through churches and through religion that look and act. They're just weird and they're wacky. And listen, if they're not done in love, they'll get weird and wacky. But God's called us to walk in love. And love covers. Love is humility. Love is gentle. Love is patient. Love is kind. Got those three, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is L-O-V-E, love. We believe, this is not in our statement of faith also, but we believe in the fivefold ministry of the church. And that's to equip others. You'll see that in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. I didn't know this a long time, 12 years ago, that he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And he did that for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, to edify, to build up the body of Christ. So he's called all of us and he's got a gift for all of us and he wants to give us. And these are offices that we operate in. I just so happen to be called to be a pastor. Some people say, well, you have an apostolic calling on your life too because you began a work. That's true. And, that, and you know, I'm fine with that. I'm not an apostle. Might, I might have an, apost- an, an apostolic gifting. You might have a prophetic gifting and not be a prophet. You might have a teaching gifting but not be a teacher because God has asked us to do all these things to edify the body of Christ, to equip the others to, so that they can go out and do the same thing. I think Blenda calls it we need to multiply ourselves. We equip the body. 
We equip our body through Freedom Foundations class, from Freedom from Addictions class, through Experiencing the Spirit class, through many other classes that we have, a Marriage on the Rock class. We try to equip people to go out and be kingdom-minded and edify the body of Christ. We believe that the ordinances of the church by the command of Christ or water baptism, which you've already seen today, we believe that that was ordained by God. Jesus set the example for it when he actually himself was baptized by John the baptizer. He didn't have to be, but he said, I want to set an example for you. We believe that water baptism is baptism by immersion because the word itself means immerse, baptizo, baptisto. Both, and then we also believe in the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, which we've also done today. And these are both administered by God. Mark 16, 15 through 17 talks of water baptism. And the Lord's Supper, one of my favorite scriptures is 1 Corinthians 11, 20 through 23 through 25. Moving right along, we believe in the eternal salvation of the believers and the eternal damnation and punishment of the non-believers. Really? We don't believe in universalism. Many people are teaching that today, that there are no consequences. You believe what you want to believe, and in the end, God says, everybody come home. I was just kidding about that whole thing. (laughs) Y'all can all come to heaven. I don't believe that because I don't believe the Word of God teaches that. I believe it's a personal decision that everybody has to make. I don't believe God sends anybody to hell because that's the old question every pastor gets asked. Brother Randy, you've been asked that. Why would a good and loving God send anybody to hell? Well, he doesn't. You choose it. You either choose him or you choose the other. Matter of fact, I I heard this one time. I thought it was pretty good. Why would anybody that really doesn't love Jesus want to go spend an eternity with him? You choose it. He lays a choice out. Matter of fact, he said, my son's going to die for you to have this way in. And many people reject him. So the Bible very clearly teaches, I believe that there's a heaven and there's a hell. Those scriptures I, I've given to you this morning. Ephesians 1, 13 uh, through 14 and the Revelation 20, 13 through 15. And finally, we believe that the consummation of all things includes the visible, personal, and glorious return of Jesus Christ, the blessed hope of the church. That part hasn't happened yet, but we believe it's going to happen. Again, this is a controversial subject. How's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Some people believe it's going to happen in 2012, December the 21st. Isn't that it? The end of the world. Uh, that's when it's all going to happen. Other people believe it's going to happen uh, in 2027. There are all sorts of predictions. Matter of fact, it was supposed to happen August 8th of 1988. <laughs> you know? There are people that have written books on this. People don't know. It's Jesus coming back to reign on earth. and What's going to happen at the end? And there are, there are great theologians that have awesome, awesome interpretations of these things. But I will direct you to 1 Thessalonians four fifteen. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain, it could be us, shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. That should get a shout. Listen, he's coming back for us, and we're always going to be with him. 
Therefore, comfort one another with these words. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, you're not in the darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. We shouldn't be afraid of that day. We should be prepared for that day. The only way you can prepare for that day is to know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. It's the only way. It's the only way. That's a lot, isn't it, to take in? I got it in under the, under the deadline of 12 o'clock. <laughs> and that's where that video included, so... I want to ask you to do this. Look up those passages sometime this week. If you have questions about what was taught today, we will give you an opportunity to ask those questions Wednesday night. I want to finish with this. And I want our ministry team to be prepared to come and minister. That might, that might sound like too much information and very complicated, but God said, I don't want it to be that complicated. He said, I've got two things for you to do. He said, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't give us all the commandments so that we would be sad and restricted people. He wanted us to walk in freedom. He wants us to walk free of sin. He wants us to walk in health and wholeness. He has this great plan for our life, a hope and a future. He wants us to walk in that. He wants us to love him with everything that we are. And I want to close with two verses. Matter of fact, I would like you to stand and bow your heads as I read these verses. And our ministry team to come to the front. Just bow your heads, would you please? Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners Christ died for us I want you to think about that ponder on that just a minute a demonstration of love far beyond we could ever imagine I want you to think of your worst day of sinning Your worst day of sinning, the most depraved thing that you ever did. I want you to get a picture of that. And I want you to understand that while you were doing that, Christ died for you. He loves you that much. He said, I love you. Even today, no matter what your sin life is, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what you're going through, he loves you. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you so much he didn't want you to stay the way you are. And I personally believe that when Jesus Christ comes into your life, that you cannot stay the way you are because you want to please him. And you have this great gift of love that's been poured into you. And you start reacting out of that love and that forgiveness. 
And I could not teach this lesson today or this class without quoting John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Put your name in there where it says world. Just put your name in there. For God so loved Harold. Would you say that? For God and put, put your name there. Just say it out loud. For God so loved him. That he gave his only begotten son. His only son. I don't know how many of you parents here just have a son or a daughter. He gave his only son that whoever, whoever, say whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I want to tell you something. He didn't say have everlasting life until you mess up again. He said everlasting life. The God that saves you will keep you. You understand that this morning. Every time you sin, you don't have to get saved again. You just confess it. You repent. You keep walking with Him. The enemy will always, always, always be there to point an accusing finger at Christians. He didn't mess with sinners because He's already got them. He didn't mess with the lost people. He already has them. But He will accuse the brothers and the sisters in Christ. And He will say, oh, you're not good enough. I can't believe you thought that thought or did that action and you say, I'm under the blood of Jesus. I'm not what I used to be. But th- thank God I'm not what I am used to be. But I praise God for who He's calling me to be. And you're walking that walk this morning. Ministry team, would y'all come stand in the front? Just bow your heads, close your eyes, please. It's just easier that way for those people next to you that not be struggling right now. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we, we bind up a spirit of fear, spirit of error, spirit of religion, spirit of doubt and unbelief, and we just lose faith in this room. For that person or persons, that today is the day that they would say yes. They've heard the plan of salvation. And they would respond by saying, I give my life to Jesus. I don't even know what that all looks like, but I'm going to do it because he's calling me. I want to ask you by faith, to step out and come. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, step out in faith and come. Just step out. I'm going to wait a minute. If there's just one here this morning that does not know Jesus, today is the day. those of you that understand what was taught today and you've been neglecting what God's speaking you to do about becoming a part of a local body I would ask you to step out and come if God's directing you to this place I'm just saying if the Holy Spirit's directing you here not because I'm making a plea because God's directing you here or maybe another body you're supposed to be plugged into I don't know but if God's calling you to plug in here that you're going to be willing to say, I believe that and I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to walk in that capacity that God's given me to walk in. Would you step out and come? Would you step out and come and say, I want to be a part of this body because I want to be in one accord. I want to be in unity. I want to go the same way. I want to go in the same direction. Would you just step out and say, yes, I want to be a part. And these people will pray with you this morning and they'll give you
you something to sign. I need some pre- uh, ministry team up here. Come on up. Oh. Roy, come on up. We need ministry team up. Listen, I believe with all my heart that the enemy is trying to bring division in the body of Christ. But we need to be on the same page. We definitely need to be on the same page. And you might have come today and said, you know what, I don't agree with half the stuff he said. This is probably not the place for you. Or maybe you would want to search the scriptures and say, I need to find out for myself. I would challenge you to do that. I would challenge you to do that today. thought in my head some of you have been a member here but you're not serving (laughs) you've just been sitting in the background and you're kind of waiting for somebody else to do things and God's calling you to do it if that's you this morning I would ask you to come and just kneel at the altar nobody will pray with you but just to reconfirm, recommit that I want to be I want to be a servant of God I don't want to just come and sit and occupy a pew I don't want to be a Sunday Christian I want to be a seven day a week Christian I want, to, I want to serve God outside the walls of this building. Maybe that's you this morning. You would just come and just recommit yourself to really being a servant of God. I would just ask you to do that as we sing that song. Just come forward and just kneel at this altar and pray. Just sing. I'm forgiven. And I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. And I'm accepted. You were condemned And I'm alive and well Your spirit is within me Because you died And you rose again Amazing love Amazing love How can it be That you my king would die just thinking as I was watching that 10 year anniversary you know every one of us has to come to that place where we make that decision are we going to follow God 
Are we going to seek him out regardless if that person next to me in church is seeking him out? Yeah. That you would tap into the desires and the heart and the passions that God's placed with inside of you. Not because Freedom Fellowship is doing it, because God is doing it in you. And that's important because you will get burned out. You will get hurt. You will get disappointed. You will get let down. But if you're doing it because he's called you, because the father of lights, the Holy Spirit is calling and saying, hey, you need to step into this, that you would step into those desires by faith. You'll be blessed. You'll be refreshed. So, Father, pour out your power today. Power of purpose and direction in every one of our lives individually, Lord. Father, that we'd hear you, that we would obey what you're telling us to do. So thank you for your grace and for your mercy, Lord. Let's just say, Jesus, you are my King. 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 Amazing love. Amazing love, how can it be? That you, my King, would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. And it's my joy to honor you in all I do. for being here this morning we're going to announce all these decisions next Sunday if that's okay with everybody we have a bunch that are still filling out some paperwork but I invite you to get plugged in here tomorrow night we have classes for men we have classes for groups uh, experiencing the spirit men of purpose Uh, we have Wednesday night we have classes addiction class and then our class in the fellowship hall and the youth in here have a lot of things going on but I just want you to know that you're loved that God loves you and that we want to equip you to do the work of the ministry that God's called us to. If y'all are blessed by me here this morning, would you say amen? Amen. Well, thank y'all for being here. Y'all have a blessed week in Jesus' name. God bless. I see your face in another sun.